Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm trying to think when I've heard this much sound in here. I was so glad to hear you today. Let's do it one more time. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor Ken, today is going to be a great day in the house of the Lord. Hey, listen, this morning we have the opportunity as we begin to uh, recognize our little crumb snatcher basketball players. And so I'm going to recognize Kim uh, to do that. I want to ask all of our players and our coaches, Jason and Scott, to come on up and join us right here on the stage. Because I want you to see the girls and boys who represented Poplar Springs this season in basketball. Um, we, had a, we had a great time. We got started a little bit late, but we had a great time. We had wonderful um, time playing and practicing. That We only missed one game due to COVID, and that we thought that was a pretty big, um, great thing that we, got, we were able to play most of that time. Um, we, the older group, we had enough for two teams, our first and second graders and our third through fifth graders. Come on, Cooper. Um, and they had one game where the other team didn't show up, but they got to play their coaches and all the adults, which was lots of fun except for Della, who resulted in a broken finger from her husband. But we'll just leave that where it is. But um, these boys and girls represented, and we have a few that are missing due to sickness. These boys and girls represented Poplar Springs well. We may not have been the most winning team in the, in the league, and that's okay. Hazel, where's Hazel? Hazel was always my, it doesn't matter, we had fun. That was what she said every time. And I just want to thank you, boys and girls, for your tenacity, for your perseverance, for how hard you tried. They learned a lot and improved throughout the game. And I thank you, want to thank you as a church for supporting this. Um, and we hope next year we can have uh, a lot more um, teams. We also have opportunities through other opportunities through recreation. I know Doug Knight is working really hard um, to spearhead upward soccer to start in the fall. And so... Recreation is a great opportunity for our church to reach, connect outward with our um, community, and we are excited to be able to do that. But So more than recognizing them this morning, I wanted to give you the opportunity to see them, but I want you to continue to pray for them. Pray for these boys and girls, because not only did we learn basketball, we learned about God's love and how much God loves us. And I want you to continue to pray for them. And we're going to celebrate after the service downstairs with some pizza today. So, And they're going to have some trophies. But I want to thank Scott and Jason um, for also coaching. Couldn't have done that, this without them. But I'm going to just open our worship service today in prayer. If you'll pray with me. Dear God, I thank you so much for the various ways you give us to share your love, to show love to others, to interact with others. And God, I thank you for basketball and this basketball league that we can um, bring kids together to learn new skills, to learn a game, to have fun, to learn what it means to be a part of a team. But God, most importantly, I hope they know that we're all part of your team. God, and help us as we continue to work with them and grow and 
just mentor them. I pray for each one of these kids that they will remember this season as a time where they had fun, but as a time that they learn more about Jesus and more what it means to be a part of a team. We love you. We pray blessings on this worship service this morning. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.
Amen. I love that song. Why will we love him forevermore? Because for God so loved the world, say it, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that I want to connect with him upward every day and show him that I love him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He connected with us, so therefore we will connect with Him. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we are not just to hold the grace that has captured us in our hands and in our hearts, but we are to connect outward so that others can know Jesus just like we do. We need to talk about Him every day. We need to talk about Him when we go out to get something to eat or a cup of coffee in the morning. We need to find people to have a gospel conversation with. If nothing else, we can tell them about the blessed assurance that lives within us. Let's stand together as we sing and join our voices this morning. Yeah. Hey.
I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness Is a canvas for your strength And my story isn't over My story's just begun And failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does No failure won't define me Cause that's what my father does Yeah. 
Father's house. Check your shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore. Somebody say amen.
Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning and you may be seated. feel like I've been to church already. Amen. Hey, that's good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Scott, thank you and the praise team and all of our musicians for leading us so well today. It's a joy to see you. Glad each of you are here. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to invite you back to 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, you're going to discover something. I know this is the only the second message that I've preached. Just in case you don't know me, my name is Ken, and the Lord's allowed me to come for a season to be what's called a transitional pastor. And so I'm just going to fill the pulpit every week, and I want to be able to unpack the truth of God's Word. And I'm going to make a commitment to you, okay? And I meant this last week, and I mean it today. I always want to come and not just get up here and say something, but I want to get up here with something to say, right? And the only way that happens is to get along with God, to get in His Word, and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to communicate God's truth. And so, um, and something else you're going to discover about my messages, they're kind of like baloney. You can just cut them off and pick them right back up the next week, all right? And so that's what we're going to do today. And I'll just go ahead and make an admission to you. And we're going to be in the same text next Sunday as well. Because there's just too much in here, even for today. And uh, so we're going to dig a little bit. Last week we talked about uh, the wilderness. How that sometimes God loves us so much that even in our faithfulness and our obedience, that He could reward us with the privilege of being in the wilderness. And that's what He did with Elijah. And he taught Elijah several things. One, God's not as concerned about your past as he is about his purpose. That God has a purpose. God has a plan of redemption. And aren't you glad we sang about that today? That, that God made it possible that you and I could know Jesus and have our sins forgiven and every single addiction be broken. Now you may be here today and you might just be nothing more than a pious puff bag and would think, I have no addiction. Everyone in this room has some kind of addiction. Now yours may not be alcohol, but it could be food. So, I don't know what it could be, but all of us probably have something. If we're not careful, we will depend on with greater necessity than even Jesus himself. Whatever your go-to is, right? Whatever your go-to is. And so here's the great news about the gospel. God's not so much concerned about your past as he is about his purpose for you. That God does have a purpose for you. Years ago, you'd hear pastors say something like this. That God has a wonderful plan for your life. And the truth is... He does. God does have a plan. God does have a purpose. And redemption is all about that. The second thing we looked at was that true faith is believing what God says. Interesting enough, this morning on the way on the drive-in today from Columbia, uh, we heard a song on the radio. And it basically, here here was the lyrics. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now, that, there's a lot of truth in that. But here's the bottom line. If God said it, that settles it whether we believe it or not. So God's, God is honor-bound to His Word. Did you know this? That heaven and earth could pass away, but His Word is going to stand forever. 
And so true faith is not just stepping out on nothing. True faith is stepping out on what God says and believing it with all of your heart. That if we would confess our sins to God, that He would forgive us and heal us and save us and to write our names down in the Lamb's book of life. Well, hallelujah for that. And then the last thing we looked at was sometimes you will never know that Jesus is enough until you wake up one morning and discover he's all you really got. And so, so that's where Elijah was. So we left him at the brook called Cherith. And so we're going we're gonna to pick up and here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read that same text, but I'm going to read a little bit more today. Remember, he is in the wilderness. God is teaching him something that he couldn't learn any other way. And God is preparing him for his next assignment. Watch this. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel is before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook chariot that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Father, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the privilege of being here and just celebrating you. And we've been able to do that in so many ways today. God, we've been able to celebrate you in song. We've been able to celebrate you and, God, the recognition of a basketball team today. And, God, thank you for those, those, those boys and girls. And, and, God, we pray that this experience will just encourage them and grow them. And, God, teach them so much. 
God, thank you for the leadership and how they've invested, God, in them. And we pray that that would just continue and flourish greatly. God, thank you that we can come together just to to worship you in spirit and in truth, God. To give, to celebrate, God, just the fact that you've been so good to us. That God, even today, God, we could just say thank you for all that you have done. And now, God, to, to worship you in and through your word. God, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the scripture. And Jesus, today I'm asking you to take us deep into this text. God, teach us and grow us. God, all of us today in this room have experienced some things that we never thought that we would experience. But God, that time of trial and testing or suffering has not been for nothing. That God, you are using it to teach us and to grow us and to prepare us to be an instrument of your grace. And God, you're going to show us that in this text today. And so, Lord, we give this time to you and we pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, even in the time of invitation and commitment today, God, I'm just asking you, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they would be saved. God, if someone's here today and they are fearful, God, today faith would take over. God, if someone here today is just bound by their emotions, that God, today we would see that you are greater and that you can be trusted. And so, Lord, you come and do what you will through your word and we will give you honor and we will give you praise and we will give you glory for it all. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I go back and read in this text, and I start in verse 9, I just love how it starts. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Then. So it connects with what just happened. So Elijah has been in the wilderness, and God has been teaching him and growing him. And at the moment that, that he is prepared for the next step, and only then does God come. That's an encouragement to me. Did you know that there is no panic in heaven, but there are plans? Did you know that God never sits in heaven and wrings his hands thinking, what in the world am I going to do? That None of that happens in heaven. We have a sovereign God who is large and in charge, who rules and reigns and in control of absolutely everything. And God not only has a plan, he has a mission. And on that mission, he includes me and you. Henry Blackaby may have said it best years ago when he said this in his book, Experiencing God. See where God is at work and join him. And so God is up to something. God is up to something in Elijah's life. God is up to something in your life. God is up to something in the life of Poplar Springs. And we may not have it all together yet. We may not see how everything connects. But this much I do know. God knew exactly where Elijah was. And he knew exactly what he needed to do. And Elijah now is not seeking his own will. But he is seeking the will of the father now that's important maybe you heard one time there was a young preacher and he began to pray and he said lord i want you to give me a, a big church and a pretty wife god answered his prayer but gave him a big wife and a pretty church now ladies send me no emails okay don't send me any emails about that 
Just a little humor, all right? God is not stressed out. No emergency sessions in glory. There is no panic. There is no worry. There is no fear. There's no panic in heaven, only plans. So how do you and I know God's plans? We know it through His Word. That's why the Word of God is so critically important in this transitional moment in the life of this church. It is not about what I think. It is not about what you think. But it is about God's mission that He has revealed through His Word. And we can bank on that. And you can't bank on what I think all the time. I may not can bank on what you think all the time. But this much I do know. We can trust the Bible. Amen? Now that was as weak as water. Now let's just go ahead and get something straight right now. Whether I'm here two months or ever how long it is. Or two more days or whatever. Okay? If you amen, I will preach quicker. <laughs> so if you help me out a little bit. All right? So we can trust the Bible, amen? All right, all right, here we go. We, we, we got to do this together, amen? We're, there you go. Second thing I want you to see in the text is this. You can be in the wilderness, and yet you can be resting in the presence of God. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Now, don't overlook that phrase. To me, that's critical. God cares so much about Elijah that he comes to him to speak to him. Now think about that. You may be here today and you think, Ken, I, I, I feel like I'm in a place that I've never been before in my life. Here's good news. God knows where you are. He knows exactly what you need. And God will give you a word that will match perfectly to where you are. And the word of the Lord came to him. You see, just because God sent Elijah to the wilderness doesn't mean that he didn't care for him. Just because God doesn't give you what you want doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you. Now, every parent in this room, have you always given your child everything they wanted? I hope you're telling me the truth. (laughs) No. I mean, there's just some things that you said no to because you knew it wasn't for their best, right? So you love them, you protect them, and sometimes you love them so much that the greatest thing you can do for them is to say no. So here is Elijah. He's in the wilderness. He's alone. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't care for him. The same can be said about you. God hasn't lost track of where you are. He knows your address. He knows your email address. He knows your phone number. He knows every detail about you. The Bible says he knows every hair that is numbered on your head. Even the ones that have fallen off, amen? He knows. God's not lost track of Popper Springs. He he knows who you are. 
You, you realize that you're not your own church, you're his church. I mean, it's, it, this, is, this is about him. This is about his sovereignty. This is about his mission. So he knows you. He knows where you are. He knows everything that's going on. And here's, here's something that's so good. He cares so much, he will come straight to you. I can't tell you how many times in my own life I've asked God, big picture, Logos. We call this the Logos. This is the revelation of God's Word, the Bible, the Logos. And I don't care what, what you may hear. I'm just going to take you straight up, okay? You understand the Bible says about itself, there's no more revelation. We've got it all right here in the Bible, Okay? And that God would love us so much that He would give us this revelation of Himself. And that He would give us instructions in how to live in righteousness and holiness. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and to go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. The word dwell there means to be at home. Now, now watch this. You've got to hang on to this, okay? So if you're, if you're reading this and, and you, you hear that original language, it's going to mean that he's to be at home. So not only does God know where you are, God knows where you're going. That's important. So God not only knows where you are, he knows where you are going. Now, God will know that before you know that. Somebody say amen. He does. God knows that before you know that. Sometimes before I know that. And so when you get to verse 9 there, what's important is to understand that Zidon, the root word in the verb form means to refine or to test. In its noun form, it means crucible. So Elijah has gone from basic training to advanced training now. God's teaching him in the wilderness. Now God's going to teach him in the work. Listen closely. You can never do things for God unless you've been with God. It's called being, resting, being at home with Jesus in you, instructing you and teaching you. And then when he says, get up and go, what do you do? You get up and go. Second thing you need to know about Sidon is this. This is enemy territory. Now, Zarephath is only seven miles from Sidon. That was the hometown of Jezebel. Now, we haven't talked about Jezebel yet. We've talked about Ahab. Ahab had a wife, and her name was Jezebel. And she was a wicked, wicked lady. Pat had a grandmother. Her name was Granny Joy. Granny Joy was a delight to be around. She had a little home there in East Denali, Georgia, just outside of Tacoa. And we would go there sometimes on a Saturday. And about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock on Saturday afternoons, it didn't matter what we were doing. Everything stopped because wrestling came on. And yes, I said wrestling. It's not that mess that you see today. I don't even like what's on TV today. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, give me the old school NWA. Woo! Give me that! <laughs> and Granny Joy would watch that wrestling, and I would ag her on. I would ag her on. And Pat would say, Granny Joy, you know that's fake. And she would look at Pat, and she said, well, you just let them do that to you. 
<laughs> she was such a joy to be around. But Granny Joy didn't like ladies who wore a lot of makeup. Now you just got listen. I, you know, there are some preachers who think it's a sin if women wear makeup. I don't. I'm not one of those. I think it's a sin if some women don't wear makeup. But I'm just kidding, all right? I, that's just a joke. Please, no emails, all right? But you know what she would call them? And she saw she, they'd say, paint their eyes all up. Looks like lizards. And then she would call them a Jezebel. So anytime you've, I, listen, even if you've never been a, uh, a student of the word, if you heard the name Jezebel, something in you told you that can't be good, right? because she was a wicked lady think about this here's the man of God being trained by God in the wilderness and where does God send him on the assignment he sends him to the enemy's territory now I can't spend too much time right here I won't get the rest of the message but ladies and gentlemen can I just remind you you're not at home right now this world is not your home we are passing through So be careful not to, 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 to um, get trapped by some of the world's philosophies about this life and the here and now. Be careful. So he goes to Zarephath and the Bible tells us that he sees a lady picking up sticks. Now, don't forget this. God said, I have already commanded her to take care of you. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. This is what Elijah heard from God. I have commanded a widow there to take care of you. So he goes, he goes outside the city gates, he sees this lady, and he says, Excuse me, ma'am, could you do me a favor? Could you go inside and please get me a glass of water? And so the Bible makes it very clear. She turns to get him a glass of water, and as she goes to get the glass of water, then he says this, Hey, and while you're inside, can you bake me a biscuit? Now, did you catch that? She gets upset by that. And she says, sir, I I know you're a stranger here and you don't know anything about me. I'm a widow. I've got one son. I've got just enough flour and just enough oil. I'm going to bake me a biscuit. I'm going to bake my son a biscuit. And we are going to die. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever been so low in life that you just Wanted to die. If all of us would be honest with ourselves, we've probably all been there. Something's happened, something that we didn't plan, something that we didn't want. You have all these emotions, your, your heart can be broken over something that's going on. And you know what? It seems like it just gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and we get depressed and we get disoriented. And even, even this lady, I mean, I can feel the weight of what she is saying. That I am so low. I'm so discouraged. I don't want to go on living. Listen to me close, church. Sometimes God will take you to the dry street so that what He does there will allow you to minister to a distressed saint. Do you hear what Elijah does? He says, oh no ma'am, remember God told you I was coming. 
if you will go in and you'll bake me a piece of bread and you'll a piece of bread and your son a piece of bread, if you will just do what God said, it is always going to be just enough until God sends the rain. Do you see what's happening here? Here's the man of God who is reminding this distressed saint of what God has already told her. I may not preach anything today that is new to anybody in this room. And that's not the important thing. It could be the most important thing is what I preach today might remind you of what God has already told you that you've got to believe God for. The man of God just brought optimism where there was pessimism. He reminded her of the word. He was saying, you know what? I know what it is to have nothing, and yet I know what it is to have everything. I know what it is to be on the backside of nowhere there at the brook at Cherith and have to trust God to supply my every need. But this is what I know. God said go and I went and God was faithful and every morning I ate and every morning I drank from the brook until it dried up. God let you and me go through some stuff so that we can brag about God to somebody else. That God is faithful. Let me go back and grab something from last week. You may never know that he's enough until you understand he's all you got. But when you discover that Jesus is all you got, you will also discover that he is always enough. He's enough. Matthew 6.33. Who knows that verse? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seeking God, knowing that He is enough. Adrian Rogers once said, God can take every heartache and turn it into a hallelujah. There is deliverance at the moment of desperation. Years ago, I heard somebody say this. The Bible says that God takes care of those who take care of themselves. Or God helps those who help themselves. Number one, the Bible does not say that. Benjamin Franklin said that. That's who said it, not God. When I read the Bible, here's what I get out of the Bible. God helps those who can't help themselves. You see, I couldn't get to God, so God came to me. I could not rid myself of my own sin. So you know what God did through Jesus? He made it possible that Jesus came, lived, and died, took all of my sin upon the cross, died for me in my place, because He did something for me that I could not do for myself. I'm telling you, you, you may be here today and say, Ken, I am desperate for God to move, and I'm saying, Hallelujah! You are in the right place at the right time. Because when you get desperate, that's when God can step in and deliver. Say, Ken, are you Baptist? No, I don't know what I am. Maybe I'm Pentecostal. Maybe I'm Bapticostal. I don't know what I am. And I know I spit and I know I stomp. And it's a good thing there's carpet here. You'd, you'd, You'd be hearing me stomp. But I know this, everything I'm preaching, I know to be true. Not because of my experience, but I, I know that God is true to His Word. He's true to His Word. And God will take you in your place of desperation today. God had already spoken to the widow. 
Elijah just reminded her of what God had said. I think that's why I'm here in this season. I think that's why you are here. We need to remind each other of what God has said in His Word. And that God expects us to obey His Word. The last thing I'll share is this. God will always supply the need according to His Word. I, I just lied. I'm going to get one more. But let me just camp out there for a second. His Word. There's a little old lady. She got sick. And she really didn't know what to do. And in her Bible reading, she got over to the book of James. And she's reading in James how that she could call for the elders of the church to come over, anoint her with oil and pray, and she would be healed. And she said, Lord, you know, I've read that a thousand times, but I've never thought that was for me. Today, I think that promise is for me. She called her pastor up, and some of the staff came over, and they prayed over her. And, and so when the, her son, who was in seminary, came home, he said, Mom, what in the world? You're different. What's going on? And she said, Honey, you won't believe it. I was reading the Bible the other day in James and how that I could ask the, the, the elders of the church to come over and anoint me with oil and God would heal me. And she said, that's exactly what I did. And she said, son, God's healed me. And he goes, mama, that, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard of in all my life. I'm studying seminary and one of my seminary professors said that that is an uninspired passage of scripture and that can't happen. And about that time, she started clapping her hands and she got happy and she is glorifying God and she's praising God, having a big old spell right there in the kitchen. And he said, Mama, what in the world has got into you? And she said, Honey, I just thought about something. If God could heal me with uninspired scripture, what in the world is he going to do with the inspired scripture in my life? The issue today is, do you believe the Word of God? And do you believe it enough to act upon it? That's the issue. So here's the last point. I promise this is the last point. Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. It is. <laughs> Obedience precedes provision. See, some of you last week said, I believe God can do anything. That was your intellectual ascent to faith. Some of you also said, I need God to do something. That was your emotional ascent. I need God too. I believe He can. But the place that maybe you got stuck was the volitional. Are you willing to bank everything on His Word about that matter? And are you willing to do what? He says. I, I, I won't take a lot of time, but can I, just, can I just show you one more thing? Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Most of us in this room, that's our problem. Fear. We ask God for His Word. He gives us a Word. And then we're afraid that it won't work. Or we're afraid that we might mess something up. Can I just tell you something? Hang on to this. Now, and, and I hope I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I really don't. But you ain't got that much power. If God says, this is what I want you to do, would you have enough of faith? Don't, don't fear. But Lord, what if? Stop it! 
Lord, if this is what your word says, then this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to trust you. And Lord, if you don't come through, it'll be okay anyway. Like the three Hebrew children. Y'all remember them? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And they said, we're not going to bend, we're not going to bow, we're not going to burn. But if we do so, what? We'll just go home and be with Jesus. Amen? I mean, what's the worst that could happen to you? What is the worst that could happen that you just go ahead and meet Jesus? That sounds pretty good. That's the goal, isn't it? So what is it that you have been so fearful about? And the man of God said, don't fear. Did you know there's 365 phrases in the Old and New Testament that contain the words, fear not. Now do the math. That's one for every single day. Fear. What is it that you've been afraid to trust God for? What is it that you've clung to? I want to show you something. You see, if I live my life like this, God, I'm clinging to what I want. I'm clinging to what makes me feel good. If I put me on the throne of my life and I live my life like this, here's the problem. I'm, I can't receive anything from Him if I'm living like this. You with me? But if I say, God, I will choose to trust you with whatever happens. God, if it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. If you heal me, you heal me. But if you don't, you don't. If you fix this, I'm just saying, don't fear. And if you begin to live in such a way that you say, God, I'm an open book. I will take you at your word. I will do what you say. And you know, in this story, here's what happened. For the next 270-something days, every morning she got up, there was just enough for three biscuits. Every night, there was just enough for three biscuits. Ladies, can you imagine going to your cupboard, going to your little kitchen counter, and every day you saw the last of the flour go out, and yet next time you went back in there was just a little bit more. Can you imagine that? For over 200 days, she just watched God be true to His Word. Lord, today, It would be impossible for me to know what's going on in everyone's heart today. But that is not impossible with you. Lord, today you may know that, God, there are some folks in this room that are far from you. And Lord, my prayer is that today they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, maybe there's a distressed saint in this room today. And in this season of their life, it's not been characterized by faith, but it's been characterized by fear. The Lord, we've given you all kinds of excuses why we can't trust you and to believe your word. 
But God, today, my prayer would be that somebody here today would just simply say to you, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And God, I've got to trust you because I've got no place else to turn. And that Lord, today would be the day they would believe you and the promise that you have given them. I pray, God, that you would remove their fear. That, God, their joy would be in trusting you and watching you do what only you can do. And so, Lord, my prayer today is that someone would come around this altar today and they would exchange their fear for faith in Your Word. Your Word says, Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could think or ask. God, would You move in such a way today? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Our musicians are going to come and they're going to just lead us in a hymn of invitation. This altar is going to be open. If, if you want to come and pray and trade your fear for a word from God, I would encourage you to do that. Say, Kim, what is somebody else going to think? Let me ask you a question. If you're more concerned with what other people think when you come forward, that is pride. And pride says you care more about what people think than what God already knows. And so today, I died of that mess. To be honest with you, I don't give a flying hang what you think. I want to get right with God, and I want to trust God, and I want to see God do what only God can do. So I'm telling you, somebody needs to come trade your fear for some faith. And I'm going to be standing right here for somebody here that says, Ken, I've never trusted Jesus. Hey, I, I, no greater joy in my life than to lead you to faith today. And if you need me, I'll be right here. Scott, you lead us, friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
all God's people said? Amen. Amen. That sure sounds good to hear you say that today. Joey, I'm going to ask you and your bride if you'll go to the foyer. As you're leaving uh, today, as you go out the doors, there will be some uh, men there to receive uh, your offerings. If you're more comfortable, there are some black boxes on the wall as you depart that um, through the portico, and you can place offerings there as well. If you're interested in uh, knowing more about us, we're interested in knowing more about you. And we'd, let me tell you how we can do that. If you'll see Brother Joey, he'll be that gentle giant with a nice-looking lady who will be at the welcome desk. And uh, they will tell you about PS 101, which is where you can go to a few classes and learn all about us. Now, we may not learn all about you. But you'll learn enough about us to get you by, and we hope that you'll take advantage of that. Hey, are you happy to be here today? Amen. Let's pray together and you'll be dismissed. Father, for this day, oh, how we thank you. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place today and every day, that we will fear not. And that we'll listen to your voice. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name.